0: recording from a closet near you unless you're on the other side of the world it's morning radio TVD why don't you kick us off josh we got a lot of stuff to talk about as always and hopefully we will not uh, go
1: too long on any one subject because people get bored but uh, too bad I'm going to try and play timekeeper, and uh, I'll, I'll have my uh, I'll have my watch out and uh, keeping an eye on how long we're spending on each one of these topics. And uh, and I don't know, maybe every ten fifteen minutes, I say, okay, even if we have more thoughts, we got to move on.
0: All right. Well, coming up on the program, we're going to talk uh, news, news, and provide our commentary on uh, certain news items that we feel like you should be paying yeah. attention to. It's uh, Black History Month. We're going to talk a little more about uh, notable uh, African-American figures in our society and why I have a particular problem with the phrase, I don't see color. Uh, also, <laughs> it's President's Day. This is coming out on President's Day. Yeah, it is. Uh, so we're going to talk about why Van Buren was the best president of all time. Disagree, but you're entitled to your opinion let's kick off the show <laughs> let's kick it off how, how uh how are you today josh how's it going my kid is sick mm. he has an ear infection and it was no bleeding this oh this morning a little bit yeah it's gross listeners yeah uh not profusely but enough where we're like, my wife's like okay he's going back to the urgent care this morning Yeah, because no kids only get sick on the weekend when your primary care physician <laughs> is off the clock. Is that how it works? Is that like, is, is it part of the human immune system? I feel like nine times out of 10, <laughs> the immune system's like, and we're kicking in and just
1: uh, we're going to take the weekend off as well. Now seems like a good time.
0: <laughs> I hate it.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. I hope he, uh, I hope he feels better soon. Yeah, he'll be fine. It's just a
0: process, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, he was definitely in a world of pain
1: yesterday. Yeah, that sucks. Ear infections are like it's it's one of those things that you it feels like you can't escape from. I feel like anything that's in my head, um, like like I like I get migraines, um, and uh, like migraines, ear pain, any of that, it, it just feels so like totally present, like there's just no way to get away from it. I don't know why I feel like it's a little easier to ignore different kinds of discomfort or pain, like, uh, you know, indigestion or sore throat or whatever, but anything like, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's, it it feels like you're trapped with that sensation and uh, it's awful. Yeah. It's, uh, he, he had a piece of
0: foam and, uh, as as, part of the treatment. No. Oh, oh. he's like going to school yesterday morning and uh turns to his mom and is like my ear feels weird and she looks in there and sees there's like a piece of like nerf foam from like one of those nerf like football things and she's like what the hell and it just it came from a like a pe or something the day before but i was like dude how do you not have more awareness of yourself (laughs) And the answer, I, mean, I guess, is because he's eight. Is, is that what's contributed to his uh, ear infection? No, I think it's largely, uh, it's probably a byproduct of the sinus infection. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, he's been dealing with that for the past week. That sucks. Poor guy. Yeah. And again, it kicked off right after we had seen his primary care physician. Naturally. I'm livid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm,
1: I'm terribly sorry to hear that, sir. Uh, so that's, that's uh, family news out of this household wonderful. Well, again, all the best to everybody. Hope hope uh hope he gets past it quick. Yeah. So, let's uh how, how's our field reporter? How's Otto? <laughs> Otto is he's he's very much Otto. Um I did cuz so, you know, Otto is a I told you when you were here last week um that Otto is basically like little doom guy. You know, everything every toy he gets a hold of is like rip and tear until it has done and so he just he has this need to just destroy um his toys anyway he's very good about everything else in the house for the most part but just this incessant need to rip and tear um so i have just gotten i have to be very careful about the kind of toys that i give him because if there's any kind of like for lack of a better way of putting it appendage that he can get into he'll find a way in so the fewer sides and angles to a toy the better um i'm turning him into a gamer dog though because I just got him a stuffed Game Boy that I'm hoping, because it has nothing sticking off of it, will last a little while. So that is Otto's new favorite toy. Is he got a stuffed Game Boy and he's just thrilled with it. Oh, that's cool. My dog just has a giant carrot.
0: Uh, oh, there, there we go. That's that's a good one. <laughs> it's huge, and he's like brings it over to me. It's as long as him. Yes, brings it over to me. He's like, hey, throw this. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hurl it like a javelin.
1: But all right, yeah. <laughs> so otto until recently had a very long stuffed crocodile in in much the same vein like it this is this was an overlong toy it was about as big as he is because otto's not especially big but it was a very large so we we had this trio of toys called crocky aki and dino dino is a little dinosaur dino is still around aki uh, is an octopus who is now missing one of his arms because otto got that off yeah he's now a octopus. Um, he he is, yeah. Unfortunately, Crocky, um, I, I I had very good feelings about. it. I was like, it's perfect. He can get his mouth around it, um, you know. So it'll be gratifying for him to play with and chew on. Um, but again, not many edges. There's you know, there's not a lot of stuff that he can. He can, and that was the first of the three that he got into. And boy, once he got into Crocky, man, that that thing did not last long. He he went to town on it. So. Crocky is no more, um, but used to have a very similar kind of toy, an overly long crocodile. It wasn't a carrot. It was a crocodile Overlong, long. And uh, yeah, throwing it was a matter of, yeah, spear throw. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, one of our listeners, he has procured for me a box of fortune cookies. No kidding. Uh, so we're going to meet up sometime uh, soon. That's um,
1: amazing. Ryan, I will be in control of my own destiny. <laughs> Whoever this wonderful listener is, uh, thank you very much uh, for providing uh, conversation fodder because that's amazing. (laughs) Doctor Strange somewhere is with the Avengers going, wait, there's new probabilities. (laughs) (laughs) That one in 14 million, mm, the numbers have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Just some guy in the corner just cracking open fortune cookies. I don't like that. (laughs) Strange every time he's like, this is fucking with the Thanos fight. Can somebody please take the fortune cookies away? (laughs)
0: We went to go see Ant Man yesterday. How was it? Uh, I think it's perfectly enjoyable. Okay. So I won't, I, I won't get into spoiler territory. Uh yeah. but I will say uh everyone that dies does not survive. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, That's, everyone yeah. I mean, basically everyone dies except the ones that don't. The ones except that for the ones, okay, all the right. ones that yeah. survive, they live. Uh they, the ones that die, they
1: are unalive. They they are very unalive. They've been depersoned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, you usually expect that, but I I feel like the Marvel movies have proved us wrong in recent history. So I know a little bit of a spoiler there. Sorry guys. So, okay. Quickly on this, on this topic, because we've discussed, like, I am very much suffering from um, like franchise. So uh, like Marvel, Star Wars, all those, like, I'm just, I'm just sort of like worn out on, on them all. And I think part of it was because like the, Oh my god. I I wish that I could show you what's going on right now. My dog Otto has figured out he likes being on pillows rather than sleeping next to them and he has climbed into the middle of all the pillows on the bed and is trying to figure out how to like best rest himself. <laughs> he he is a he is a little king. Uh anyway, um <clears throat> I realized part of the part of what like has been wearing me out on all the franchises is it just seems like there is a constant state of tension and stakes that, especially after Endgame, it, it, it's so difficult to match that level, right? And uh, I, I think what I keep waiting for is for these, you know, for for Star Wars, for Marvel, for all these big franchises to just take a beat and go back to low stakes for a little while and just make enjoyable, fun movies like everything doesn't have to be epic. I think that's really what I'm wearing out on is this sense of huge, grand epic. Like, can we can we just pull back a little bit? And, and, and create a low moment. Like you're, you're at least not in the next, you know, two to three years, you're never going to build back up to what the, the Thanos event was right. That, that was, it took a decade to get there in the first place. So can we just like, can we have a Valley for a little bit? Like we hit this peak. Can we just get off the peaks for a while and, and just go back to smaller stories? Well, I would almost argue that that's sort of what was happening, um,
0: in the immediate aftermath of okay end game is that you were everything from there was kind of resetting the status quo it was like right. okay where is everyone right now what are the stakes how are people adjusting um but when you're dealing with a a comic book property like that it's still going to be big stakes um i don't know how much of a uh grounded street level like intimate story well, is going to perform
1: well Unfortunately. Okay, so maybe not like truly like grounded street level, but if you think back to even just the stakes of the first Iron Man movie, like there was no cataclysm, right? It was it it, it was very much Tony Stark, like learning and underst- learning and understanding, um, you know how to how to use his suit, you know what worked best, like you know it, the experimentation aspect, of, you know trying to figure out like the the science of his of his armor. Um, but at the at the end of the day, it was him facing off against a a fairly low tier, low threat bad guy, right? Like Obadiah Stane. He was dangerous for what he was, and he was, you know, a, a you know psychopath that wanted to take over Stark Industries and, and use its weapons and, and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't get the the sense that there was like a planetary threat to mm-hmm. what he was he was doing. Whereas, like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, um, I, I thought was pretty good. But again, the 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 level of uh, of threat was gigantic you know and uh same thing with like thor love and thunder it's it's still these huge threats that i i don't know i i there there is like a there's a scrappiness that's missing to all of this now i think oh, that's okay. what it is yeah gotcha
0: well uh this the path has been laid okay for going forward with our next big marvel bad okay so um, well we'll see how we how, how it goes. It's a character. I'll, I'll straight off the bat. It's a character. I just, I don't get like, he just confuses me because of the okay. nature of his character. Yeah. Um, so it's oddly compelling
1: in that. It's, it's supposed to be, so I like, mean, I, I'm hoping I'm not giving too much away, but there's like the theory is it's supposed to be Kang the Conqueror, right? Yeah. It's Kang the Conqueror. Um, okay. Uh,
0: spoilers. Well, if you've not seen anything <laughs> promoting
1: Ant-Man, Quantumania. Uh, yeah, Kang the King, the Conqueror. He he's played by Jonathan Wells, who was the guy who was the bounty hunter in Serenity, right? No, no, oh no, okay, no, it's
0: uh, it's Jonathan Maj- Majors, Jonathan Majors. Sorry, Jonathan Majors. Um, he wasn't
1: he wasn't in Serenity, was he? I thought he was the bounty hunter because he has this kind of like very um stylistic performance that I think is super super interesting. In um, okay, now hold on. Yeah, because Firefly, Firefly fans are going to really oh. kind of pick up this. Are you talking about the bounty hunter in the Firefly episode? Or are no, you no, talking no, about he serenity? was also uh, serenity. Yeah, yeah, a good point. No, the, the Firefly episode, totally different bounty hunter. Also very interesting. Um, no, OK, Jonathan Majors. He, I'm sorry. I know him from Lovecraft Country. He's excellent. Yes. Yeah, he performs very well. And Marvel fans will have first
0: seen him in the Loki Disney Plus series. Uh, OK, gotcha. Uh, he that remain. Gotcha. He, who that? That. Um, yeah. Yeah. The operative from Serenity. I can't even say his name. I am. I am so sorry to this person. <laughs> um, I will butcher it. But yeah, it's not. It's not him.
1: With his sword. This is a good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That was our intro. Let's get yeah. into it. Uh,
0: let's let's, the, let's jump into it.
1: The meat and potatoes. Which you're not even eating potatoes right now, are you? Uh, sweet potatoes. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. There you are. High source of potassium. Oh, so much potassium. If I, it, it, anytime I look at my, uh, micros on the day, if I'm short on potassium, I'm like, it's time for a sweet potato rather than a banana. Yeah. I, so I almost always have a daily banana, oh, okay. uh, but a banana still not providing quite the full vitamin K, uh, input. It's usually, usually I, honestly, and this is, this is bad to me, but I notice it on days that I short myself on greens. If I haven't had enough, like green vegetables, that's usually when I'm coming up short on potassium. And that makes um, sense. Yeah, i shovel down a, uh, a a sweet potato instead.
0: Well, this has been a, a nice, pleasant opening. It has um, been.
1: So let's ruin it. Yeah, why not?
0: What are current events? What are the current events going around
1: in your neighborhood? We live in the uh, dystopian hellscape that late-stage capitalism has always imagined for us. That is the current events that uh, are going around in, in my...
0: It's so... Weird. It's just, it's it's so weird to see. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm getting gaslit by these events. Maybe I, I should not get as so wound up because part of it is how these stories get presented. Yeah. Or in, in in the
1: subject matter of this episode, how stories don't get presented, which is one of the things that like it has me so furious about what's going on in Ohio. And and I think especially because like I I will always have a special place in my heart for Ohio. I grew up there and I left absolutely as soon as I could. And I don't regret that decision. But at the same time, there there is a part of me that that is Ohio will always be home there. I will never, ever get away from it. I've actually lived outside of Ohio now at this point, longer than I lived in it. Cause you know, I lived in Ohio until I was 18. It's now been 20 years. Um, so I, I have been outside the state longer than I lived, uh, in it. Um, and I, so th- there's a part of me that's just always like emotionally attached to the fate of that state. And Ohio's had a rough ride in, uh, especially the last decade or two. And, uh, the events in East Palestine have me like I said earlier, just fucking incandescent with rage. Like I, I, I can't even see straight trying to, um, like read more about this story because it's it is it is a three it's a it it rests on the shoulders of three administrations' complete failures across the board. Again, this is the dystopian hellscape that late stage capitalism has set up for us. All of this has been driven by greed corruption and this idea of like ultimate cheap efficiency at the cost of everything else. I swear to God, there's going to come a day where the billionaire class is going to look around and they're going to wonder where all the buyers have gone and they fucking killed us all. That's where this is headed. And that's why everything that's been going on in Ohio has me just like pulling my fucking hair out. All right. So if you've been living under a rock, uh, listeners, Or
0: just got way too swept up in Chinese spy balloon nonsense. (laughs) Um, About the same time as the spy balloon stuff was kicking off, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a rail derailment, a train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, Now, train derailments apparently happen all the time.
1: I did not know about this apparently about three a day there's a thousand every single year which i now i from what i understand most of them are pretty mild it's like one car jumps the track and it slows down the 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 schedule for a little bit while they try and get it back on but yeah there's about three derailments on a daily basis so we're talking
0: a difference where like a derailment in that your wheel is not aligned and on the track properly and then there's derailments where uh the train just goes everywhere
1: It, it, it 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 everything it's it is a a just uh, a, a telescoping catastrophe it's it's like a you know those rushing nesting dolls of horribleness where just one by one everything goes completely fucking wrong and uh the one in ohio is particularly egregious because the trains that jumped the track there that the that, that this is all like catalyzed all of this this is this is not an exaggeration what i'm about to say is is not like in any way hyperbole they relied on civil war era braking technology so we have in the last you know 200 some fucking years found better ways for trains to brake it's mostly pneumatic braking and it helps uh it, it actually prevents train derailments because it allows all of the the, the cars to slow down at the same time This Civil War era technology doesn't quite work that way because it was invented in the fucking Civil War. And so once one of these trains, once one of these cars failed, its brakes failed, it caused this cascading catastrophe that uh, everything after that for like miles worth of train. And again, literally, these trains are miles long at this point. Miles of train just started uh, collapsing off the tracks and and we ended up with a the kind of the, the kind of like disaster that we would look at other countries and go oh that's a fucking third world country well it's right in our own goddamn back so if people are um
0: shopping around for trains, do they go around and be like, all right, what's the braking system on this? And they're like, oh, this is a vintage Vanderbilt, 1865. (laughs) And you're like, no, I'm
1: looking for the 1992s. Oh, big spender over here, the 92 brake pads. (laughs) It's funny that you bring up the the 90s because that was the last time that they attempted to uh, really force an upgrade. So the last three administrations, Obama, Trump, and now Biden have all pushed uh, or kicked the can down the road in terms of train safety for a couple of other things. But there was a push in the early 90s to have all of the rail system uh, updated. If, if, if I understand this uh, the story correctly, uh, all of the, uh, the rail system updated so that it did rely on... I mean, at that time, it was new, but now you're talking about 30-year-old technology, but the u- pneumatic brakes was... It was an early 90s technology or um, whatever version they had in the early 90s. That was um, when they tried to make this happen but the whiny bitchy billionaires that are at the heart of all this all went it's too expensive it's gonna cut into our profits and they pissed their pants and pooped their diapers and everybody was just like okay fine you guys win and uh now we have this shit every i feel like in business 101 in like econ 101 i was taught uh
0: the reason behind the phrase you gotta spend money to make money which means invest in your product and or service to reap maximum rewards and it seems like people want
1: to invest as little as possible in this yeah go ahead well, but part of that reason is, is because of corporate consolidation, uh, companies do not have to reinvest in themselves anymore to, to be, um, like on the edge of, of current technologies or models. They they don't have to reinvest in, in themselves to, um, to be, to continue to be competitive, basically, because there has been so much corporate con- consolidation that we live in a halcyon era of like modern monopolies. It's not quite the Vanderbilt era of, you know, like the big oil barons. But in most industries, there are really only three or four companies that run most of the uh, like the commerce coming through those industries. Ticketmaster is a great example that that we see, um, you know, the Swifties are all up in arms about. Um, but I mean, even in the travel industry, you know, somewhere that both you and I work, there are very few companies that control a very, very large portion of that commerce. And you don't have to spend money to make money if you own all of your competition.
0: Very true. Uh, so Norfolk Southern uh basically their little engine couldn't and the the brakes failed chemical like these cars tipped over the chemicals went everywhere uh and the chemicals they didn't like spontaneously combust this was a controlled operation uh because they thought this would be best what's blowing my mind about this whole story yeah is one it happened and nobody talked about it yes because Everybody, and I mean everybody, I'm talking about all these major news outlets We're like, let's talk about how uh, the U.S. right now is going on a shooting spree like they're at a county fair shooting everything possible out of the sky. Um, Let's talk about Democrats and Republicans sniping at each other. Let's talk about anything else. And I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the New York Times daily podcast episode to talk about this derailment. And it has not happened. And I'm like, where are you guys?
1: it What's exactly doing? it
0: did an episode about bing incorporating uh chat gpt and i was I, like that's curious and interesting that is not the news
1: we need to know about right now and and the the bing chat gpt i that that particular article also by the way completely infuriates me because the, the technology writer who wrote it a very smart guy um, actually, i actually I really do like his work but he talks about how he had a conversation with the chat or this the the Bings version of chat GPT um, that left him unsettled to the point that he couldn't sleep and and basically it's it's because he uh, he pushed it down a hallucinatory path where it started to talk as though it were very much alive and in love with him which is very weird right it's 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 very strange and he actually one of the things that like upset him about the interaction was he tried to get it to talk about anything else and it insisted on revealing its feelings for for him which again strange but at the end of the day what he points out is these large language uh ai models they are they're not sentient they're basically just a super super advanced version of like auto text, like, you know, the, the text Mm -hmm. predictive button, and it has learned enough from the internet basically that it's like, this is how a, uh, a loving conversation should go or a romantic conversation, which says so much about us as a species that I, I, that is something that we need to unpack at another time because it is actually kind of disturbing that that's what this thing learned, but no, being, having a, a, a very advanced, uh, search engine that can talk to you in a way that seems almost human. Yeah. It's a weird curio, but not when we have literally nuked a town in Ohio with toxic chemicals, because <laughs> uh, oh my god, I mean it, 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 the the litany of failures that that went into this thing happening is it is part of what like makes ma- makes me so angry. Like there were um, regulations uh, that the Obama administration rolled back that allowed the chemicals in these uh, rail cars to be classified as non-flammable or not dangerous. That's problem number one. And it turns out that those chemicals very much are extremely flammable. Part of the reason that they had to do the controlled burn was because they were already on fire and they were afraid that if there was a catastrophic explosion, it would blast shrapnel for up to miles away and just kill a bunch of people. So that's great. Um, and then the uh, the Trump administration repealed even more safety regulations on the rail industry that allowed for them to be running these super super skeleton crews on these super long schedules. So you have, you know, a, a very very few people responsible for very very large trains and they are very very tired. And then the Biden administration crushed a a union strike uh, that would. Have given some of the rights back to these rail workers. And it's the rail workers who have been saying for decades now. We are one hair's breadth away from an environmental disaster. They were right. They tried to warn everybody. Nobody listened. Not for three presidents. We haven't fucking listened. And again, the the barons at the top of their fucking company were like, yeah, but we can squeeze a few more dollars of profit out of you guys. So die, fuckers. Um, I would say it's been
0: more than just the past three administrations because the Agreed. Railway Labor Act was last amended in 1936 Jesus and has not been revisited since Uh, that's just one major piece of legislation that's hilariously overdue for an overhaul, but nobody wants to actually get any effing work done. No. Okay. Real quick sidebar guys, listeners, please. If you are the kind of person that votes and you're the kind of person that has a charged opinion about anyone in office for anything, Um, Will you please just make a conscious effort to look and keep track of what your representatives are doing? (laughs) And I mean what they are doing, not what they're saying. Yes. Not not opinions that they're putting out on news outlets or so-called news outlets. And you know who you are. I'm not going to have to call you out. You do it yourselves. (laughs) Um, But pay attention to what they're doing. Yeah. And if they are actively working towards things that matter to you and that you care about, or not, please respond to that. These guys can say whatever the hell they want, and they will. George Santos is a, h- a hilarious cartoon
1: version of this. He he is the end game of what all of this has been building towards. I I I viscerally despise him, but he is literally the representative we deserve based on the system that we have set up. Well, he's not our representative, he's I, Long Island. True. He's, <laughs> But he, I mean, in, in a, in a twisted way, he is, he is Batman. He's not what we, uh, does like not what we need, but what we deserve, you know, like we, we had that kind of shit coming, but seriously, the, your people that your
0: representatives that get all this screen time yeah, that get this microphone and just all they do is just yell and rage and rant. Um, that's your tax dollars that are paying for that. <laughs> and I mean, if that's what you want out of your person to just stand there and like scream into a microphone, okay, well then that's what you want. And all right, more power to you. But I would implore you, please look at what they're actually doing. Yes. What they're doing. I feel like my Senator spends way too much time on air quote news outlets and writing opinion articles. I get a weekly email from his office being like, here's what he's doing this week. And all it is is him just being like, I'll never stop fighting against Joe Biden and the da-da-da. It never says what he's doing beyond like, I wrote a letter of condemnation for this and that. Oh, never mind. Sorry, hold on. He did do one thing. He is working very hard to pass the Sunshine Act so that we don't have to keep changing our clocks twice a year. State of Florida.
1: I, I mean The fucking do. Seriously. I, I I oh my God. Um But let's I, get I'm, back on let's get back on trains. Yeah. Okay, yes. So go, because, on, go on.
0: Yes. Everything about this story and everything that we are hearing about this story when we finally freaking heard about it. Finally. Uh it just leaves me mystified because i'm like why are we having such a lukewarm reaction to this what yes. am i missing and it seems like the epa has gone through and they tested the air and after a few days they're like air's fine it, it meets our, our threshold you're good to go and norfolk southern like i don't I, i've still yet to see anything that's like oh we're so sorry this happened from norfolk southern they're just like what?
1: everything's fine do you know what their first offer was to the town of East Palestine? 25,000 total for the whole mm-hmm. fucking city. For a city of 5,000 people they offered 25,000, 5 bucks a person. They're like, "Here, here's your here's your uh, your your strepping new Lincoln." That that's uh, that to- No, that's everybody gets 5 bucks to go get a thing of pressure
0: washer fluid, to yes. clean all the debris off their car and maybe there's enough left over to get the whole house done, but we're not sure. Yeah. No. Um yeah. It's Meanwhile, photo after photo, after video, after social media post is coming out, just showing you all this dead shit. Yes. And I mean, I get it. We don't care about animals as much as we care about ourselves. Um, But think long-term, guys. Think about burn pits. Think about uh, long-term exposure to any sort of... Do we remember radon asbestos? Yes. Like that stuff? That was... Relatively benign compared to what this can do,
1: and and the thing is, is from you know some of some of what I've been reading up because I'm I'm especially furious with um, the EPA and Department of Transportation. it. But Pete Buttigieg, by the way, can get fucked. That is the most feckless son of a bitch in the government right now. I wanted to like him so badly when he first like got on on the, the stage, but the more I've learned about this guy, the more I think he is the most disgusting corporate spineless asshole in biden's administration i am i'm so angry with the lack of anything that he has done for anyone he wants to go to his little ribbon cutting ceremonies and and raise his prominence on the national stage but he doesn't want to do a goddamn thing and right now we need an actual head of of transportation that's doing something between the shit that's going on in the airlines the shit that's going on in the railways we need somebody who can actually do something so i I need to get that out of the way which Um, is
0: i mean that's a fair reaction to To say, but also on the flip side, uh, the second he tries to do anything that's a little too aggressive or too uh, government overreach, everybody on the other side
1: of the aisle is going to rain hell down upon him. Who cares? Like, I'm I'm sorry. I I hear that argument. I am sick of that argument. I I, like I don't I I don't care anymore. I, I absolutely do not care about a thing coming out of the Republican Party anymore. I used to like have legitimate policy disagreements with them. I don't give a shit about what's going on in the Republican Party or how angry they might be about, quote unquote, fucking government overreach. Step up and do something. Let them come at you. And and then fight it out in the courts if that's really how this how this how anything has to happen anymore I don't care but fucking do something first instead of going oh, but the Republicans might no 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 Jesus Christ ha- have some spine if you're going to be uh, in, in in a cabinet position the uh, he might be made out of particle board I think oh my, he's he he's almost like a weird like Frankenstein. Where the like I swear to God, he was created in a lab. Like people were like, okay, what is, you know, the most ideal way to put together uh, a candidate that would appeal to the broadest swath, but doesn't actually he's so vapid internally. Okay. Ryan, for the last time. Yeah. Uh
0: Frankenstein was the name of the doctor. <laughs> monster was Frankenstein's monster. Okay.
1: You're right. Yes. You're, not, you're right. The I'm sorry, the, fans of Mary Shelley. Yes, I I apologize, Mary Shelley. That was, was really that, that was wrong of you. It was it was terribly insensitive. Wow. Um, Call yourself. Up. I know it's you know, yeah. This I is one that of those coming. moments.
0: This is one of those moments where I'm so, again, mystified and confused about Biden. <sighs> this dude loves trains, right? Where yeah, is I he? Love loves trains so much, and his like his crackdown on the labor strike thing because he was like nope got to keep these trains moving i was dude these are like these unions are not exactly small supporters when it comes election season but okay and he's been virtually silent on this whole train issue and again i'm just like what am i missing this is why i started hearing that there's like oh derailments happen all the time i'm like
1: we should not dismiss that. I, I think the reason that nobody wants to touch this is because it is politically bad for both sides. The moment that somebody like, you know, raises their hand and goes, Hey, this is like atrocious. This shouldn't, this shouldn't have happened. To your earlier point, the other side is gonna immediately jump on them and say, But your administration did XYZ to to enable this. It's it, 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 everybody is complicit in what has happened. I think that at some point somebody needs to just take it on the chin and be like, we all really, really fucked up and we need to do something that makes sure that something like this never, never happens again but no one has shown the strength of character to step forward and be that person and i think that's what's so like uh, it, it's so maddeningly disappointing about politicians across the board anymore is there there's very little political will to actually do things that matter for the american people they want to you know pass their stop woke acts or the we hate socialism act or whatever the fuck is going on lately that it's it, it's like show me what you're doing that impacts people in in their day to day in their real lives but everybody's so afraid of the other party that nobody actually well i think it's i'm I'm mostly criticizing the democrats it seems like the republicans are just going to bulldoze ahead and do whatever the fuck they want um and they're increasingly good at that which is part of the reason that i think we got into this in the first place
0: yeah so is has long time been a little pet peeve of mine yeah that we don't work more toward Updating and investing in upgrading and joining, uh the now twenty first century. Seriously, uh, like apparently these breaks are nineteenth century.
1: Yes, come on, truly, truly nineteenth century. Yes,
0: look, yes. There's there's also an old phrase it's like, if it ain't broke,
1: don't fix it. But that's no, it, it, I disagree. It, it, no, no, no. And and I I'm 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 with you on that. I think that there what we almost need to update is our idea of what is broke. Um, you know a a braking system that was designed at a time where trains couldn't really get past 60 miles an hour for the most part and were you know maybe 100 cars long versus where they're at now where they're literally several miles long and they're traveling at speeds like 70 80 miles an hour or whatever the hell they're they're doing these days I don't know the the fact is is that those brakes were designed for a fundamentally different kind of train so to have them applied to modern trains does feel broken. That's, that is actually broken in a certain kind of way. So, I mean, no, is the part like dangling off of, you know, the side of, not really, but at well, the same we wouldn't time, know because they only have 60 seconds to inspect this entire thing. That's also complete insanity. I mean, you, you and I worked the backlot tour a lifetime ago. How long did we spend checking each individual shuttle before we would roll those things out into the park to, uh, to carry the guests for the day? Uh it depends where we hung over that morning.
0: <laughs> it okay. might excellent. have longer than the average. Ex- excellent point. <laughs> Nobody goes no, it's, it was in the back of the park. Nobody goes straight to the back lot tour. We had time to get that shot out. <laughs> we had we had time. Yeah, exactly.
1: Ryan, where are you? I'm 51. Shut I'm out. 51, <laughs> <talk> a little <laughs> lower. <laughs> I mean, but we we took several minutes on every single one of them to to and yeah, if we were hungover, we probably even went slower. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like we're talking about a vehicle that's uh you know maybe 50 yards long versus one that's several miles, and we spent, you know, quanta quantitatively more time on on them anyway. Well, and you had a group of uh, you know, there's
0: three of us Mm -hmm. checking each shuttle, doing doing checks per shuttle. Yeah, yeah. Um the when I started uh flying, the company I worked for, um, they were not exactly pro labor. Yeah. Um, they were pro using your labor. <laughs> and I got to a point where the so the approach in the airline industry for the ones I've worked for is if there's something that happens that they make you do that's in violation of your contract, mm-hmm. you do it. And then you complain to your union about it and your union will take care of it, which usually Ugh. means they'll like get some sort of financial thing. The union will. I didn't get shit. Um, mm. So, number one, mm. I started doing a thing where? where if they tried to make me do something outside my contract, I would not do it. Okay. And they were like, it makes sense need to go do it. I was like, no, this is yeah. a contract violation. They're like, okay, well, go complain to your union. I was like, I will. Right, but I'm not doing this, and they're like, "Oh, so you're refusing because it's going to be X y, z disciplinary action. I was like, "Go for it, sure, and because every time uh they would start the investigation they'd be like, "Oh, it was a contract violation, and <laughs> they would just basically shut down, and they'd just shocker like, all right, then you know what? Let me just erase this right here, Nothing to see here, uh move right along. Nobody has to do anything. I learned a few years later, I was super lucky because really? as the railroad act. Is laid out. Yeah, the actual government, the, the the legislative law of the land, does not support that. Right. They're like, well, you know, the law says, well, too bad. Complain about it after,
1: and I'm like, that's fucked up. That's and that's what the rail, that's what the rail strike earlier this year was trying or, or um, last year was trying to fix was issues exactly like that, and the Biden administration crushed it. The Biden administration that's been saying that they're the most pro union, pro worker, pro fucking train because it's goddamn Joe Biden. That's that's what they were that's what they were they were part of what they were striking for. And uh no, they got they they had a new contract forced down their throat with with no change. Yeah, which
0: they've not all agreed to if I if I'm up to date on it. Like that's still gonna be an ongoing thing, I believe. I hope so. God, I hope so. Uh, they deserve fucking sick time. So I guess we can both agree that um, Biden is not our favorite president. Do we have no. a favorite president? It's President's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's President's Day, uh, and I feel like we're shitting on the current president. Yeah, uh, justifiably. So, uh, who, who 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 was a great president? Who, in your opinion? <laughs> Going back, this long list of, what do we have, 45, 46 presidents now?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm going to get flamed for like, this is going to basically upend my my lefty progressive credentials, but uh, Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) <laughs> is, is I, I think the idea uh, i like the idea of teddy roosevelt probably more than like i actually like teddy roosevelt teddy roosevelt did a lot of things that especially in the 1920s were very much in context with the times that are pretty abominable these days i'll give him some credit he him and the bull moose party did try and pr- push some progressive ideals forward and uh you know his cousin uh Franklin D uh, really did try and create some uh, some good government social safety nets and, and create a better society. But um, I uh, like the idea of Teddy Roosevelt. Um, I'm going to, yeah. I mean, he's a bullet can't stop the bull moose. Okay. TR so will see. give uh, WC the full deuce. The full deuce, yeah. <laughs> you are fans of
0: uh, Epic rab- Battles of History, listeners. <laughs> Roosevelt versus Churchill still the best one still still the best one yeah all right so you think tr deserves to be up there on mount rushmore with
1: uh
0: lincoln jefferson
1: washington yeah i do i um i guess in terms of like shaping the country i think well so i'm i'm still like i'm i'm also in a place where more and more i'm like i we shouldn't deify these people and the fact that we have this massive monument to these guys is actually the more i think about it kind of just weird but i mean if you're thinking about people that had a in um uh you know objectively measurable um degree of influence on how the company the the country was was pushed forward i mean i i guess those four are fine i still i'm weirded out by the fact that we defy um presidents it's i don't know but i think tr is all right i think i think he he did his best for what he knew um not the uh you know not the 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 progressive bastion that uh i think he's often held up to be but i think he did all right so um i'm going to give uh, i'm going to give it to teddy interesting okay yeah. Um, well, that means I have to change mine. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I thought with, you said Van Buren. I'm
0: <laughs> gonna go with Garfield. Uh, Garfield, there you go. Yeah, like lasagna. Hate Mondays. I feel like yep. uh, I could really identify with this platform. Um, <laughs> no, I love Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, yeah, I actually really do. And, um, but yeah, don't deify people. Like, know know who you're supporting. There, it's weird because if you know enough about Uh, tr's history and his presidency you can find a lot of uncomfortable parallels between uh himself and even trump to a to a certain point yeah Uh, just a certain bombacity yeah uh but the difference is is that uh teddy was very learned and forceful
1: and knew how to actually like work with people. He, he was, and he did have, you know, again, for the 1920s, he had some progressive ideals. Like he he helped push uh, women's suffrage forward, which back then was a really, really big deal. And uh, he he had some ideas just about, you know, creating a more equitable society that I agree with. Again, if you dig into any one of these presidents um, and you start to pull apart their, their full record, you're going to find shit that is really not great and Teddy's no exception but he, I I think that he did some I think he did some good things for for his era. I have to correct you a little bit. You got to push back in time a little bit more uh right
0: to the beginning of the
1: 1900s. Is that when he was uh that's right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. um
0: because he would be he made the choice to not run for third term. That's which right. Was, that in itself was overwhelmingly popular for him. Yep. Uh, he was succeeded by Taft, who was kind of a meh president who never really wanted to be a president. Um, and that gave the failings of Taft's administration, helped give the rise to Wilson and the Democratic Party, and uh, basically every major uh, step backwards in the terms of uh, racial progress. This was this was prior to the uh, the party line switch, right? Correct. Yes. It's it's always uh, kind of funny to talk about. Uh, if you're like if you're a democrat and now and you're like oh you know roosevelt did all these great things but he was a republican that's he was so a weird. republican well, yeah <laughs> yes and that is because once upon a
1: time these parties were actually uh flip-flopped completely opposite yep but it was it was the dixiecrats um and the uh, the flight from the southern uh southern democratic party that uh instigated mm-hmm. and that was until the, that was that was the 50s wasn't it
0: well, that I don't know. Okay,
1: I'll have to look into that. Uh,
0: the author Edmund Morris has a trilogy about Roosevelt that goes into exhaustive detail. It's it's a it's an awesome read if you guys are okay. interested. Um, but he was just such a character. Like he was such a magnetic figure yeah. that he just like he made
1: an impression on literally everyone he met. And I think Trump wished he had that kind of. Person. And there's a lot about um, just Teddy Roosevelt's life that I I very much like personally identify with because you know he uh, in his later life was just obsessed with exercise and vigorous living and uh, you know having pure food and drug uh, and it was largely a reaction to the fact that he was a, a small sickly asthmatic child who physically could not keep up with his his contemporaries and his peers um, and so as he grew older he like hyper focused on strength and, and, uh, and vigor. And as somebody who was five foot four, 95 pounds until I turned 17, um, like I get it, man. Like I, I, I remember being small and weak and like feeling kicked around by the people around me. And, uh, you know, now fitness and, and physical vigor is a huge part of, of my life. And, um, that is a, it's a struggle that I very much appreciate. It's, it's the Steve Rogers struggle. And, uh, I think Teddy, uh, had some, I think Teddy had some Steve Rogers in it.
0: Yeah. Uh, minus the, he didn't have super soldier serum. Uh, he he had a dad that basically looked at him at one point when he was a kid and be like, look, you are going to die. You're not going to make it. If you don't like do something, you know, put, put your mind to it. And. You know, four-year-old Teddy's like, got it. And uh, <laughs> like did this incredible transformation. It's funny because Teddy was a big on like exercise and doing all these very like outdoorsy things. Uh, but he also loved some fine food.
1: Yeah, he sure so, did. Uh, that's why he's a bit of a burly man in his later years. Do you know what uh, the, uh, the famous quote about uh, Teddy Roosevelt's death was? Oh, yes. Go ahead something along the lines of um he so teddy he died in his sleep And uh, the the joke is, is that death had to come for Theodore Roosevelt in his sleep because otherwise they would have had a fight. And it was (laughs) this idea that that like Roosevelt just it it didn't matter who stepped up to him. He would stance up to anyone, even if it meant the the Grim Reaper. And so the the Grim Reaper had to catch him sleeping because that was the only way he was going to take him quietly. (laughs) And he had some he had some close calls in his life. Uh, He did. Have you seen that comic
0: strip, though? about that quote. No. <laughs> it's like there's a comic strip uh, of, uh, about that and it's uh death creeping into his his bedroom <laughs> when he's sleeping. Death pulls back the pillow, uh, pulls back the covers and it's just like a pillow and you see Teddy's silhouette lurking in the background. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh again, he was not he was not perfect. He he tried um he was uh, a product of his time and he yeah. had now to uh, various different uh, political and corporate uh, power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he tried to make some headway on some things, uh, especially in terms of uh, racial progress and equality. And he got a lot of pushback on that. And he wasn't quite brave enough to power through, although he did help punish that post office in South Carolina. I think it was for a little while. They had like, <laughs> yeah. a, a, a black woman that was a postmaster and the South Carolina town was like, no, we don't want that. And so I think it was for like a year he had that place
1: like just shut down. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, he, I I mean, you know, it it feels like it's, it's gotten worse, but you know, the idea of political, um, payback for shit is not new. And he, he did some, I mean, to the other party, they were like, that's objectively petty, but you know, for everyone else, like, yeah, man, that's, that's the righteous way, you know, shut that kind of shit down. mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, he, (laughs) he definitely used his, his political influence, uh, for that. The, so, all right, listeners, I want to hear from you. Teddy Roosevelt or James Garfield, who's the better president? <laughs> all, all, all I'm going to say, man, is that one of them took a bullet to the chest and kept on ticking, and uh, the other one ate lasagna. So yeah. um, I'm not trying to sway anybody's opinion here. I'm just saying we might have our facts on that. <laughs> uh,
0: so let's move on. We've yeah. uh, we've we've talked a lot about uh, the terrible news out of Ohio. And, yeah. uh, so we want to try to, uh, stay abreast of that as it develops, uh, in some other news, it seems like, um, child labor and marriage is, uh, coming back into fashion. It's so revolting. That's- it's so revolting. <laughs> well, it makes more sense about why they're like, no, don't abort the baby. Please let them I, be born and let them work in our sweatshops. So, well, Made okay. in America.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. So Iowa is trying to bring back child labor. Um, it, there's been, we're, we're like discovering more and more that the kids are, I think you said like working in like butcher shops or like meat packing plants or some shit like that. Yep. That's a, that's a very recent news item. Yeah. And, uh, Wyoming and my state of Tennessee. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I, they had to pull back on this one. Thank God. But Tennessee tried to pass a, a marriage law that basically removed age restrictions on uh, on on marriage, so like yeah, you could you could marry a, 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 at at basically any age with parental consent, which is disgusting in ways that I can't even get my head around. Wyoming is trying to put a floor on marriage at 16, so you must be at least 16 to get married, and there is significant pushback in the state because it infringes on parents' rights. I don't know how to rationalize this kind of gross, disgusting behavior. This is the shit that makes me so furious because one of the, one of the things that I'm particularly sensitive to is the, the fact that, you know, the Republican party thinks that the LGBTQ community are, are groomers and they're doing shit that will let them marry children. they they're, they're, they want their old straight white men to be able to fuck 14 year old girls in a marriage. And I can't, I like, I it, it's, it's grotesque in ways that I can't rationalize. And, uh, like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, it's the, the projection that goes along with the, this whole groomer commentary, it it just, it makes me furious. All of this, like the, the, the way that they're um, trying to bring kids into the labor force, the way that they're trying to marry off their daughters like this, it's so dark ages. I legitimately worry about the direction of the country. It's kind of weird. It's, it's kind of weird. And I, listeners, I think we
0: should, uh, pay close attention uh, to whether or not Matt Gates talks about moving to Wyoming. Oh my God, um, he- <laughs> <fucking> Gates! <laughs> that man's got a head of hair
1: that, <sighs> like, I don't. It does not forgive his gross face, but he they, tries. He, Matt Gates is a character, like yeah. you know when people draw characters and they got the big teeth and the big hair. Oh That's- yes. He he 100% yes. is a character that came off the page. <laughs>
0: so. um, but it's – yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like I don't understand the motivation. The labor right. one, I, I understand the motivation. The marriage one, I don't get it. I'm like I we don't. live past 35. Right. Like by so- – all- once upon a time, you and I should be dead by now,
1: yeah. uh, but we have a longer life expectancy now. We don't have to exchange dowry from get married. From, the- from what I understand, it is actually part of the anti-abortion movement. And basically the idea is that the, the way that they're spinning it is it is a way to provide financial protection to a young girl who is raped and becomes impregnated. So basically if the girl is raped, gets pregnant, then she is then married off to that person who who did that oh that's better okay right exactly so that that, that person now has is now financially responsible for her and the child that is the uh, the motivation that i've heard only there was another <laughs> <laughs> only there was like a
0: like you know you can make laws against these types of actions in the first place you know
1: <sighs> it's just, it's it's baffling fascinating. man it's fascinating baffling. yeah gross Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's it, it's all so it's all so twisted. Like I I have been in I've been particularly enraged by the news all week. This week it's it's been a bad week. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Moment. A moment of silence for the last week of. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you want to touch on on that? Because I the 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 labor issue especially is it, it seems like such an unwinding back to a a dreadful period of time. I like I'm I'm curious about uh, what you're. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to take some time. I think yeah. maybe I'll come
0: back at it next week with uh, some more in-depth discussion on this because I I literally okay. just found out about some of this stuff yeah you know, a day ago, and it was definitely a knee-jerk reaction that I had to headline and you know the data I'm like Tyson, I, your chicken ain't even that good. I I have to like so are these kids cutting corners? Like are they not <laughs> only clean but are they doing a shitty job? Because this food's gross. Uh, no. <laughs> did you? Uh, did
1: you- did you ever see the um the second uh Super Size Me documentary where M- Morgan Spurlock basically tried to open up his own uh fast food restaurant? No. It ends up being an indictment of big poultry in a way that will it's it's very eye-opening. It it will change mm. the way that you think about like how the chicken gets on your table because it's pretty fucking wild.
0: Well, as it is, I try to get chicken breast that has as few white striations in the meat as possible. Yeah. uh because the more uh white lines on your giant chicken breast uh the more bad for you it is turns out (laughs) Uh, which sucks because it means like the organic chicken slightly better for you and it's three times more expensive and things are already expensive yes Uh, so just stick to eggs (laughs) they're coming down in price a little bit they are things things are starting to to peel back a bit um but i think it's time for our our, uh
1: black history spotlight yeah let's do it so you got for me Yeah, one of the things that we were talking about is just like what we've been reading. And um, is we're talking about just, you know, books that we're reading, getting into kind of like literature and all that, I really wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, Toni Morrison um, because she is uh, unquestionably ha- had one of the most outsized impacts in terms of like modern literature in, in the American landscape. And I, I, again, another thing that just draws incandescent fury out of me right now is the amount of book banning that is going on. And Toni Morrison kind of lands squarely into that scene. Like she has books that certain States are trying to ban because they don't, they have a problem with black literature, I guess I don't fucking know. But anyway, um I actually not long ago for a, um, uh, a, uh, a newsletter that I used to maintain. Um, I, I did a spotlight on contemporary authors and to- Toni Morrison was one that I, I chose because, uh, again, she's, she's been one of the most impactful writers in modern American literature. Um, she has arguably changed the face of literature in the second half of the 20th century. Um, and what I particularly love about, uh, about Morrison is that she very much prioritized balance in her life like i i think sometimes we we tend to think of writers and uh and authors as just sort of like these singular entities right like all they do is sit behind a typewriter and churn out words and they're very reclusive and and closed in and uh and and it, i mean don't get me wrong in some case that uh that sort of idea really um it's it's not far from from the truth but uh tony morrison was very um very much uh, encouraged a a balance in life and talked about how she wasn't just uh, a writer she was also you know a, a mother that was a, a huge part of her life was was being a a parent and um she was also a a teacher and uh you know she uh instructed the next generation of writers um she was an editor at Random House as well as um you know being a, a writer for them and one of the things that uh, I teach other writers to take away from Morrison's approach to literature, was that any time that she came up against writer's block, rather than just trying to like force her way through and obsessing over whatever it was that, that she was stuck on. Um, she went into one of her other pursuits. She focused on being a mother for a while. She really got into her university teachings. She would pick up the the work of other authors and and edit that. And it just helped her kind of reshape whatever it was that she was stuck on in, in her own work. And I, I think this kind of, um, approach and balance and, and, uh, just it's, it's critical to making sure that you have, um, a uh, just a, a good balance in general in life. Um, apart from the fact that obviously she is one of the most like uh, uh, like heralded authors. I mean, she's a Nobel and Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, something that I really really love about morrison was her focus on storytelling um and rather than basically she had this this sort of like she had this this philosophy that uh the only aspect of writing that you could not teach was storytelling you can't teach somebody to be imaginative or visionary you can teach people the craft of writing um and you can teach people the mechanics of it and like the trade of writing is entirely fixable if you're not a good writer by trade you cannot teach a love of the art you can't teach vision you can't teach imagination and that was something that she very very much valued so that is my uh, uh just sort of short diatribe on tony morrison as uh, as an author and just a, a, a truly um i mean like colossal figure in the landscape of american literature in the late 20th century It's kind of cool because we are
0: recording this on Saturday, February 18th, which is uh, actually her birthday and her hometown of Ohio, Lorraine, Ohio.
1: Uh, Is that why, is that why you chose Tony? A hundred percent not. That is complete Providence. I had, I had no idea. So yeah, that's, that's actually, this is an, this is an excellent way to to, to pull this episode together. (laughs) Well,
0: um, Ohio is declaring February eighteenth as Toni Morrison Day. As they should. Um, a resolution was passed in twenty nineteen, and um, it was signed to law December twenty first of twenty twenty. She passed away in twenty nineteen. Yeah, um, which is so sad. But I also would have been curious to know how she would have responded to COVID pandemic and how society reacted because yeah, a lot of her works are. It's I would argue that yeah. it it's not just black struggle right you know it's the african american woman struggle mm-hmm. which i'm getting hints at is its own type of thing sure like you have <laughs> the struggle of being african american yeah in america uh but then on top of that uh african american women have an extra layer of uh struggle um that sucks can i tell you i have read very little morrison in my life my uh, i realized in the past year or so, I, I was confronted with the fact that most of what I read, and I, I read a ton, but most yeah. of what I read is written by, you know, old white men, uh, which is fine. Um, So I, but I recently was like, oh, let me see just how different it is Yeah, to have a different writer's voice. And I recently wrapped up a duology by N.K. Jemisin. Oh, that's right. You is, were telling me about this. Yeah. She is a, uh, she's a science fiction author and- uh, reading the books, I was like, "Oh, okay, I see it." Yeah, um, at, at least in this instance, uh, her books are probably definitely banned. Uh, like it, it, it ticks the box on every offensive thing. <laughs> it goes <laughs> completely against the woke act. Uh, so <laughs> probably, probably need to go to the public library to get those uh, to, to pick that up. Um, but yeah, Morrison, we review, we revere Morrison mm-hmm. as uh, an icon to literature and as. Uh, an African American voice. Yeah. Um, but even that, a lot of that is through the lens of her work. Right. And uh I was reading a thought piece not too long ago about when, uh her house caught on fire. Mm, yeah. At one point. And the coverage about it was all about her manuscript. It's like, oh uh, my God, what's happening uh, what, and stuff. And like yeah. you realize her son was there, right? Like how about yes. just the people? How about the yes. The people involved. No, no, no the manuscripts we gotta say. The writing. So even when we revere people yeah. and icons, and we, we've talked a moment uh, throughout this month just about these people and the ways they have contributed to our uh, our society, we need to also not lose fact, track of the fact that these are people, yeah.
1: these are human beings. And, and Toni Morrison's humanity, again, the, the other aspects of her life were very important to her, and it's... I, I, I agree. I think it's very telling that when <laughs> her house caught on fire, uh, people were less concerned about her and her family than they were about these, quote unquote, precious manuscripts, which I, you know, again, she's not here to make the argument these today, but I, I would argue that Toni Morrison would probably argue um, not as important as the actual people. Right. So, but what do we know? Yeah. We're just a couple guys on the microphone. <laughs> I, I know well and and I, I wanted to say this to you you mentioned like that you you hadn't read a lot of her work in terms of like authors and the way that we and like the way that we think about like modern authors Toni Morrison was not particularly prolific she published only about every three to five years now she published steadily throughout her life but she doesn't have like the kind of you know when you go back and look like Stephen King's bibliography or um you know things like uh, that matter she wasn't like a, an essayist or short storyist she did these novels and she did them very thoughtfully and very carefully and they're very well crafted and constructed but that also means she just did not write as many books so there's not as much of her work to read but in terms of you know like the quote-unquote required reading um the uh the the books that uh like really really changed the face of um how we think of uh, of literature in the second half of the 20th century uh, the bluest eye song of solomon tar baby and beloved are absolutely without question books that you should um if you have not try and at least track those ones down and uh, and read them they they will hopefully um give you some new perspective to, uh, to look into she wrote a couple of children's books as well so there's um you know it it, it wasn't all you know super dense deep novels um but uh, yeah, for the most part, she she just didn't write as much because she took so much time on each script. I think I'll read the tar baby,
0: because when you say the tar baby, I automatically think of Song of the South. Yeah. Um, which that has its own problems. But yeah, uh, Brer Rabbit, there's a story called the tar baby and Brer mm-hmm. Rabbit tricks brer Fock and brer brer using a a tar baby basically it's a it's a it's a doll made out of tar right um but that in itself is actually a slightly modernized telling of an old uh african anansi story Mm, yes as part of his quest to bring stories to humanity
1: yeah uh, and and uh that's something that um tony morrison leaned very heavily on actually was drawing from folk from folklore and uh and drawing from um like African mythology, like th- those were absolute influences and inspirations to her writing. Um, so that's a good, that's a really good call out. That's actually something I meant to, uh, to address, but um, I <laughs> skipped over it in my notes. Um, but yeah, good, uh, good catch on that one. So I might, I might go add that to my library list. They made a oh, movie yeah. out of
0: Beloved, if I remember right, that, that sounds familiar.
1: Like Oprah made a movie,
0: right? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. I'm going to, need to take a second and apologize to my English teacher. From my uh, junior year of high school, uh, because we, we didn't need to boycott, we didn't need to like organize a class boy, boycott the way we did, but we did um, because we were supposed to uh, read a book by Zora Noel Hurston. Hmm. Uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God. Yes, I remember that one. None of us could get through this book, and we were just like, <laughs> we can't. We spent, I, I, so we argued for like a week just being like, we can't read. This book, this is so stupid. And looking back, I I realized we're just being punk kids. We weren't intentionally trying to be closed minded or racist, but the book's written in the dialogue. You have to read it out loud to understand what is being said. Yeah. But that in itself, I realize now as an adult, that in itself is important. Yes. And uh, so I think I carry some guilt around from that. And that was one of the reasons why that book is actually sitting on my shelf right now. Okay. With a goal to read. Yeah. Um, It came out of a box and went on my shelf. It will eventually proceed to my nightstand and then I will eventually start reading
1: it. There's a process to be. So to to cap this with a moment of levity, because you, you reminded me of this. Um, Let me briefly take us down the road of uh, a, a much younger, more rapscallion, Ryan Cipriani. As a freshman in honors English, we had to read a book that I will never remember, but also never forget, and it was *Jane Eyre* by uh, one of the Brontes. Uh, um, I, I, I will, I'll caveat this and say *The Wuthering Heights* is one of my all-time favorite books. Like, unironically, really? I, I adore *The Wuthering Heights*. I suffered through it. *Wuthering Heights*, and I oh, no. like. I hated every bit of it so I've not read any other Bronte ever Jane Eyre I hate in ways that I like I can't even like articulate um, and this is this is very much a sarcastic I hate in ways I can't articulate not like you know the actual rage I have over some of the laws that are going through in this country um <laughs> I I did, I mean all of us in my honors english english class were suffering through this book like <laughs> like you were talking about could not stand it so we decided when we got to the end of that particular reading program that we were going, we were, we were going to shoulder the burden and be the last generation of students that had to read that book. We, we were going to take it on ourselves to save the next group of students from ever having to read Jane Eyre. So you know, those like little lift panels in ceilings, right? Sure. The, like the cheap ones with all the little holes in it. Right. Oh no. <clears throat> Over the next several quarters because we read it early in the year, anytime our honors English teacher would leave the classroom for however short, we would grab copies of the book from the little back room and we would start sliding them into the upper oh, panels and we we hid them all in the ceiling. Jane Eyre would be removed from the curriculum for the next several years because for whatever reason the entire, you know, stack of books just they just vanished they disappeared it wasn't until they redid the roof on the entire high school that they found them and were able to reintroduce the book into the curriculum (laughs) but we saved at least five years worth of students from having to put up with fucking jane Eyre. so anyway that's (laughs) that's the story of we didn't boycott it but we definitely we we got our revenge so to uh the classes of of what (laughs) like 2000 2000, probably six through 2010. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you had to read instead, but it wasn't Jane here. <laughs> That's fantastic. That uh, it would completely absurd, completely absurd. That's the show. That's Thanks the, the listen, show folks. Yeah. We, uh, we appreciate it. Um, I am going to try and calm down. <laughs>
0: have a, have a nice cuppa. Yeah. Just, I, uh, I think I will calm down
1: yes yes most good sir well uh thanks for listening everybody um we will be back uh next week and we'll have a whole new um whole new bunch of subjects to bandy about uh yeah happy president's
0: day happy yourself a mattress a new appliance a new car whatever the the sale is right now it's the sale of the
1: season my friends anything and everything it's it's all on sale today
0: actually you know out of respect for roosevelt um don't by buy a mattress okay. <laughs> he died in bed show some respect
1: yeah he he passed away uh while again in his sleep of a blood clot in his lungs kind of sad kind of like, you know yeah maybe maybe we get away from mattress sales on president's day maybe that's the move. obviously this episode is not sponsored by beds that's right our other podcast is sponsored by uh sleeping on a mattress so shoot wow we have conflict of interest don't we we should probably uh, we I'm should take a re- look at our, our corporate sponsorships and we're gonna sure reach we out on. to rage Shadow legends <laughs> please raid we'll talk about how it's the greatest thing in mobile gaming since flappy bird that's the show thanks for watching thanks for being here